Hello again everybody, my name is Andy and welcome to another episode of UFOs and Other Paranormal Stuff. I hope that you are all having a good October. Unfortunately, my family is not. Our poor old dog, Millie, a lovely white Labrador, is very ill, although she doesn't show it much. She is 14 years old and so has done very well for Labradors. They usually live till about 12 years old, but she's a fighter and that's how she's lasted so long. I really want to thank everyone for listening to my last episode, Paranormal Railway, and indeed to all the episodes that I've made so far. I am really grateful. I'm extremely grateful for all your contributions too. Your stories and experiences that you send in to me keep this show fresh and they keep this show going. Please do keep sending in your stories of anything paranormal or UFO to UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com that's ufos and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com twitter you can find me at u and ops that is at u and ops and ufos and other paranormal stuff on facebook and instagram it is through facebook group that i've received the story for this episode a story about something known as the wood boogers it is a report of a sighting, and it was sent to me by Deborah Crossley Hatswell of the British Bigfoot Research Group. Deborah is a writer, researcher, YouTube blogger, blogger, podcaster, and collector of witness statements. Deborah has written books including Childhood Witnesses of Paranormal Creatures, Impossible Creatures, Dogmen, Ape Men, Unseen Predators, and Unexplained Events, which is out now on Amazon and I fully recommend it. Deborah owns the BBR, British Bigfoot Research, and the map of sighting reports and collected reported tales of cryptid creatures, paranormal events, and unexplained experiences from people all across the globe. You can find Deborah on YouTube. Just type in Deborah Hatswell, hashtag BBR, and also on Spreaker, that's Spreaker, spelt S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, at www.spreaker.com forward slash show forward slash British hyphen Bigfoot. Thank you, Deborah, for sending me this report. I've never heard of the Woodboogers before. However, looking at your report, it seems that they are a very well-known phenomenon. The Woodbooger is a type of Bigfoot or a hairy humanoid that lives in the mid-Appalachian mountains in the east of the USA. The name Woodbooger was given to the creature because it was often rumoured to carry off young children, just like the Boogeyman. This cryptid was featured in the Animal Planet TV show Finding Bigfoot. There have been a particular large amount of sightings outside of the town of Saltville in Virginia. This small town is also the centre of numerous devil monkey sightings and reports indicating that the area is a great habitat for hairy humanoids. Maybe I will do an episode on devil monkeys in the future. Could the wood boogers be a second species? Some believe that some Bigfoot encounters in more southeastern spots of the US may actually be different subspecies of Bigfoot. Woodboogers 
differentiate from Bigfoot encountered in the Pacific Northwest in varying degrees, such as smaller size and sometimes being more aggressive than their northern counterparts. What follows now, ladies and gentlemen, is a report of an experience from the 1960s sent to the BBR and sent on to me thanks to Deborah. A childhood experience with the Woodbuggers, 1966. It looked almost human. I was a child of five in 1966. We had recently moved to a place in the countryside, a place that held dark secrets, a new house and new friends of a similar age who lived nearby. We played all day during the days off school until the sun went down. I remember days like those. We fished, we cycled and we climbed trees and climbed hills. Every day was an adventure. The place we often played at, usually in the evening, and so we could make as much noise as we liked, was at one side of a river on a large floodplain about three acres in size. On the other side of the river was a large steep bank, heavily wooded and overgrown. The first event that at the time went unnoticed, but is now important, was the stone throwing. Stones would land with a thud close by as we sat together. We all blamed one another. Who else could it be? No one else was here or even close by. We even started doing it ourselves, tossing a stone up in the air when no one could see. We became good at spotting a slight arm, lobbing stones upwards. Some of us put our parka hoods up to protect our heads. This happened on consecutive days, when we first started to hang out near the woods. It was only when we were all paddling in the calm part of the river that we noticed something strange. Small stones started to land in the river around us. So we watched each other as we were all together to spot who was the culprit. Plop, a stone would hit the water. That meant it wasn't one of us. It must have been someone nearby. Very few people were ever seen in this area. We looked around to see if someone was hiding in the trees on the opposite bank. Plop, another stone hit the water. Where could they be? When someone throws a stone, the arm is extended and would generally become visible, but there was no sign of a throwing arm. Then a stone landed that was much larger, large enough to do injury. It hit the water with a large splash, about three foot from the group. That was strange. Who would throw a stone that large at children? And who could throw a stone of that size a distance of over 50 metres? Which was the distance we had visually checked for stone throwers. We moved away to avoid injury. It was obviously meant to discourage us. It did. But in the long term, the opposite, it became a game and eventually the stones stopped. The next event was the night runner. As we were gathered in the group on the grass, about 10 metres from the river, it had gone dark. We must have lost track of time, as we had to be home before dark. From somewhere on the floodplain, a thud, thud of a heavy runner. The vibrations came through the ground and through the air. It was coming towards us fast, 
getting louder. We braced for a collision with the heavy runner, but then the sound moved past and was moving away. Heading towards the river, it was too dark to see, but it sounded as though it jumped the river. There was a break in the vibrations and a faint rustle, but no splash. At the time, some of us had been practicing the Indian trick of pressing your ear to the ground and listening for horses or something. Something we picked up from a cowboy films. We found it worked. You could really hear a lot. That night, the sound was strong. Strong enough to feel it through our hands pressed to the ground. We didn't question what or who it was for very long as we had no idea who could be that heavy and able to run so fast. We speculated who it might have been, a local beef boy, someone angry at us, just another strange event at our playground. In hindsight, that was probably another scare tactic to keep us away, and again, it did the exact opposite. Bluff charges are common behaviour of primates and many other creatures who feel their territory being threatened. This creature had waited for the cover of darkness to do it. There were other small signs, like one very large footprint in the soft sand at the water's edge. The ducks that landed on the river sometimes didn't get to fly off. One night we heard them being taken and their quacks being silenced. Small events that could easily be dismissed at the time, but in hindsight again, they meant the presence of something very special. The infant exposed itself rarely. Usually you could sense it was around. One day I was on the opposite side of the river when my friend pointed to something at my side and shouted, What's that? I looked around behind me and something darted away. It was dark under the trees and there was no bushes to hide in. My friend described it as a small, hairy, not human. For years I believed it was an alien. The only encounter with the mother was after we had been playing near the river one evening, adjacent to the wood, their home. It was nearly dark and we needed to be home or we would incur the wrath of our mothers. The other four children had gone ahead and I was last to move from our place in the long grass. I moved quickly to catch up with the others and after a few steps came up against the massive shape. The reporter, by the way, has provided a sketch which Deborah has been kind enough to put up on the Facebook group and UFOs and other paranormal stuff. So please do go and have a look at it. There were no obstacles in the area, so it surprised me that something was blocking my path. It was difficult to see what it was as I was right up against it. There was hair long and thin, wispy hair. I had to peer round the shape to see firstly how wide it was, then to see hands hanging at the side and slightly lower than my line of sight. Hands bigger than I have ever seen. They were very large and very human. Another one on the other side. On looking down, there were naked toes just visible in the poor light, poking out from thick hair. On realising the mass had limbs, feet and hands, I looked up to see the head. 
but there was nothing but darkness. A face slowly came into view as it looked down. The first thing I noticed was how small the face and head was compared to the body. The head moving from looking to its left where its young might have been. A strange face looking down at me with a look of amusement, amused at the surprised child looking up in shock and wonderment. It looked almost human. There was an expression, so there was thought behind the face, but none of the facial features were identifiably human. The eyes had a round iris and pupils, didn't notice the nose or ears. The mouth was an awful gash, pug-faced, like the dog with the ugly face. That's not very nice. Then I was looking into darkness again. The head must have swung round very fast, so fast I didn't see it move. But then it came back into view, this time from the right. The head moved very smoothly, without any movement of the body. Similar to the head movements of an owl, for example. I watched the face through the gloom for a few seconds, then it was gone with darting speed. The head had turned to train its powerful eyes behind it. This must have been the point where my friends were talking amongst themselves. The head returned and stared down at me. The eyes were enlarged to reveal two huge golf ball-sized green eyes, possibly too dark to be sure. The eyes were so big at first, I thought it must be wearing thick glasses. A child's mind was trying to make sense of this being. Time had stopped moving forward and my mind was spinning in turmoil. It must have sensed it was exposed, because after glancing behind it, the expression changed from amusement to disgust. It wanted me to flee, so it could flee without being seen. The skin on the face was thick like pigskin, which hampered any expression. The brow slowly knotted as the skin on the brow formed into creases. The mouth was rough and jagged, without lips, and large for its small face. Again, you can find some sketches on the Facebook group. The expression faltered between amusement and annoyance, as if it struggled to articulate the emotions, or maybe it couldn't decide how to react to the situation it had made for itself. The brow contorted into a frown, and the mouth began to sneer. The face was not appealing. Its main purpose seemed to be to carry the eyes and provide a portal for food to enter its body through the jagged mouth. It wanted me out of its way. That was my cue to remove myself from this presence and get to safety of my friends, if it would allow it. I moved past the mass and moved quickly along the path, not daring to look back in case it followed. The walk to my friends was about 100 metres, but it felt much longer. Meeting it face to face was easy. Hurrying away was much harder. My legs were shaking, and the uneven ground was trying to trip me up. My eyes strained in the poor light to see the undulations in the grassy path. I was afraid if I tripped over, it would catch me. Upon meeting up with my brother, 
I told him someone had just blocked my path. He turned back to see who was there, grasping my arm to come with him, but I refused. He hurried and he hurried away in the direction of the others in the group. They asked me what it was that just barred my path. They could see it in the poor light. My reply still confuses me to this day. I told them I didn't know what they meant. I wasn't lying. I genuinely believed it, even after 30 seconds previously having told my brother a different story. They asked me repeatedly for days until it began to feel taunting and I gave them the same answer. Fifty years later the truth dawned on me and the memory of looking into that face now haunts me. Memories of such strangeness after fifty years have a very vague feel to them. It is difficult to say with any certainty that they are real, but my memory has never been wrong. The most unbelievable event, and one I struggled with, is the memory of an infant that suddenly joined me and a friend. The same infant who was seen two years previously on the opposite side of the river by my friend who said it wasn't human. This infant must have watched us playing our games for years and yearned to join in. Our screams and shouts would have permeated the wood as we played. Her mother must have been denying its freedom to play with us, until one day it suddenly appeared close to us on our side of the river. We stared at the creature, its long grey wispy hair running down its back as it crouched, waiting and hoping for acceptance. My friend was afraid and wanted to go, but I persuaded him to stay. It only wanted to play, I told him, and I was afraid to be left alone with it. He asked what it was, but I had no answer for him. It had waited a long time for permission from its mother. It would have been cruel to run away. It wasn't too strange looking. Without the hair, it could have passed for being human. It kept its face hidden despite all my efforts to see it. When I reached out to touch the silky hair on its back, it moved away quickly and repositioned itself back into a crouch. Looking across the river, there was no visible sign of a parent, but they must have been watching us unless the infant had no permission to join us. We tried to play with it, throwing a pebble for it to catch, hanging from the branch of a near tree, Nothing took its interest, or maybe its shyness inhibited it. Occasionally, it moved a short distance by half-extending its legs, then repositioning back into a tight crouch. After a short, awkward few minutes, it left, wading across the river on slender legs that had been tucked away within its crouch. Its hairy back above the waterline bent over as it waded, it took two or three steps on the far bank, and it was gone. No scrambling up the steep bank, no wrestling with heavy foliage. It melted into the foliage. There must have been tunnels in the foliage with an access point at the place where she vanished from view. We were relieved it had gone. We started in the direction of home, slightly in shock, my friend eager to inform his parents and others. What are you going to say? They will never believe us. 
I told him, We will be persecuted if we mention this. We can't say anything. Forget it ever happened. We agreed never to mention this as we walked away. It would have caused us a lot of trouble. It would have made our lives a misery. My friend may not have accepted this and told his parents because his credibility took a sharp drop around this time. He seemed burdened and out of character for weeks. I should have supported him. They would have condemned us both. I must have done a good job of forgetting this. It took 50 years to recall it. One day, 1974, not sure what got into them, two of my friends decided to venture into the lair. Probably bravado, but could also have been something to do with my other friend's loose tongue. It was his elder brother who made the decision to go in. It was also the only place we hadn't trespassed on, so it was about time. I was invited but declined. Someone needed to raise the alarm when things went bad. I knew something was spooky about that area, but I couldn't put my finger on it. All the signs had been ignored, but together they meant it was spooky. They emerged after about 15 minutes, very nervous and badly dishevelled. The only thing I remember was one of them saying to the other, What was that thing? I didn't want to know any more. I already knew, somehow. It was wrong to invade their home. I should explain at this point, the memory of running into one of them was still packed away. Their camouflage is their long grey hair. It gives them the appearance of shadow by removing any outline or form. Together with speed and intelligence, they remain hidden, judging by the lack of sightings in the area of their movement. If you see them, it will be a grey blur. You would think it was nothing special, a shadow. The actual type of cryptid that they are still evades me. They do not fit into the classic Bigfoot appearance of ape-like features. These have a different look about them, more like the bride of Bigfoot, although their behaviour is similar. Bluff charges, stone throwing, privacy remaining hidden, only coming out at night, but sometimes in the daytime, family groups without a male. Their appearance is different, mainly in their body hair, which is much longer approximately 12 inches in length on the back of the infant, shorter on the legs. The face is different, but only seen in poor light, so may be slightly inaccurate. The infant's face was not seen. Its hair seemed to cover it, and it did its best to keep its face hidden. Their intelligence seemed higher than normal Bigfoot behaviour. We have no idea of their existence, apart from a few sparse encounters. I know I'm not the only one. They may be on the edge of extinction, and we would never know it. Well, what an interesting report, and thank you again to Deborah Crossley-Hatswell for sending it to me. I'm very grateful. Once again, do head over to Amazon to buy Deborah's book, 
childhood witnesses of paranormal creatures, have a look at her YouTube channel and Deborah's podcast at www.spreaker.com forward slash show forward slash British hyphen Bigfoot. It is full of interesting accounts of cryptids and other paranormal events from around the world. Once again, please do keep sending your stories of anything paranormal or UFO into me at UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. That's one word, UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. Again, Twitter at U and OPS, that's at letter U, word and letters OPS. And UFOs and other paranormal stuff on Facebook and Instagram. Now, obviously next week is Halloween, so just for fun I'm going to do an episode which will feature ghost stories. So if you have a good ghost story to tell, or even just a really scary story, then please do send it in to me and I will read them out for Halloween. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. I look forward very much to reading out another one of your stories very soon. Take care. Bye bye.